I'm Kareen, and you're listening to Eat Like an Artist, the podcast that celebrates creatives, mindful entrepreneurship, and mental wellness. Each week, we dive into practical business advice and deep conversations among creative friends and role models, speaking openly and inclusively about life as an artist. We don't believe in gatekeeping because everyone's welcome. This is your community too. Let's find the balance within creative entrepreneurship with all the love for the art and none of the burnout and self-doubt. Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat Like an Artist. We have a really cool and special guest today, Terry, who is the founder and executive director of Breathe Inc. And while I could introduce him, I feel like everyone introduces themselves the best. So could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Uh, so hello, everyone. Like I said, my name is Terry Creech. I'm the founder and executive director of Breathe Inc. Uh, I am also a performance poet for over two decades and have been a poetry coach for about the same amount of time. Uh, native North Carolinian, grew up here all my life in, uh, in, in Eastern North Carolina, been in Charlotte ever since college. And uh, I also do a little professional wrestling on the side and uh, just, I don't know, just, you know, being a, uh, being a good person and being a good mentor and, and good, uh, you know, uh, executive director for the organization. I never knew you did some professional wrestling. What was yeah. it? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I did it. Um, it was funny. Like, I actually, I, so, so, such a bad idea. I dropped out of college after four years. I was like 20 credits short. Um, but I was like, no, I got bit by the bug. And so I went and became a professional wrestler for a year in Texas. And I uh, had a great time with that. And then uh, about, I'd say about four years ago, three, three four years ago, uh, I picked it back up again and just kind of started doing it off and on a little bit. Hadn't done it for a while now. I've just been concentrating mostly on the organization, but I still have friends that do it. I still follow along with them, and you know, who knows? Maybe you'll get back in the ring again sometime soon. Oh my gosh, I'm learning so many new things, and we just started recording. <laughs> what? <laughs> do you have pictures of when you did this? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh. Yeah. I need to see those. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. Well, actually, one of my questions was going to say, what's a favorite pastime of yours outside of poetry? Would wrestling be the answer? Or do you have many other hobbies that I (laughs) apparently don't know about? Uh, That'd be one of them, yeah. Um, I mean, I also, uh, like, I'm I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan uh, for (sighs) video games. Like, that is my absolute best. I have played and beat every single one of the games, except for the new one. I'm still working on that. Um, I even have like my Assassin's Creed tattoo. I don't know if I've showed you that before, right here, which is based off of uh, Connor from Assassin's Creed Three. But uh, he's also half native, half white, like myself. Uh, but I t- I tailored it, uh, custom made it to myself uh, based off of his. Yo, that's fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm huge. I like I, I love video games, mostly RPGs, but definitely Assassin's Creed is my favorite. Um, Let's see. Gosh. Uh, I mean, outside of that, I'm just a big sports fan, especially like Charlotte FC. I uh, got season tickets to there. So we've been going there for the last couple of years. And just, uh, I don't know, just being a, a, you know, family guy, you know, uh, not the show, but me being a family <laughs> guy. <laughs> uh, good family man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it told you I'm engaged and we're getting married in a couple months. So. Uh, my fiance has a couple of kids, and so I'm going from being the the single guy for you know over 40 years to now being a dad of two kids, and just uh, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. So. That's exciting. No, it is. I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're gonna be a natural 
in it, honestly. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, okay, so for context, me and Terry met because we were in the same CEI cohort. So that's mm -hmm. the Creative Entrepreneurs Initiative. Yep. And we had a potluck at one of our cohort members' house, and I barely saw Terry. <laughs> because you are just like, there's like certain people in this world that every time they like meet like a kid or like, a dog or just some kind of cute being mm. it's like people just gravi gravitate towards them like mm. snow white and i feel like that's how <laughs> you are <laughs> like just like a, you'll just be like in the woods and then just like all these magical creatures or like cute little like children will just be like wow just <laughs> gathering around you so i feel like you'll be good well I, yeah i'm like a per i'm like a uh, like a two-year-old's personal jungle gym which is what happened <laughs> on that day yeah um which is fine i mean i i, I love like just kids and 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 animals and all that stuff um i, I just uh i don't know I, I guess it is kind of that thing like you talked about like is i i just love being me you know um and and being accessible especially to a lot of people you know like kids in particular um who like are trying to meet you but they can only have a certain level that they can get to so just meeting them on their level and just giving them somebody to focus on in the midst of all the other adults that are talking and hanging out and drinking and you know they must to play video games on the phone and I'm like <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, speaking of how kids see you as a personal jungle gym, <laughs> one of my questions was, what's a celebrity people mistake you for? And this uh, is a very specific question to you. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I especially whenever I'm in shape very well. <laughs> Uh, I get Jason Momoa all the time. Um, if it's not him, then it's uh, Rip from uh, Yellowstone. Uh, if it's not him, then uh, it's Baymax from Big Hero Six. I mean, it's just you know any any one of them. It's those. like anyone that's just like big and lovable. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, I, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. That's probably it's like you don't look like them. You just give the same vibe. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes back again to being like, there's all these cute little beings, like animals and children, <laughs> who are just like, wow, right, and just gravitate towards <laughs> you. But I feel like that's really shows just how natural it is for you to even be in the work that you currently do right um could you actually talk more about breathe inc and why you wanted to find that like you know be the founder of a nonprofit like that yeah yeah so um yeah it, it's it, my nonprofit journey has been definitely been interesting um you know I, I, like i said i've been a poet for over 20 years um actually it's been 24 years now uh, I started out uh, just traveling everywhere because I just I wanted to just be in, in, engulfed in poetry every single night. So I would literally like drive to Nashville, Tennessee, just for an open mic uh, at, in the back of some pizza parlor, you know, um, it, it, and then drive back and go straight to work the next day without sleep because that was, I, it just it was I was obsessed with it, you know. Um, so when I started, uh, I started Slam Charlotte here, which is the adult poetry slam. And I did that mainly because, well, for two reasons. One, because I was I was representing other cities uh, at the national competitions. Whether I represented Winston Salem in 2002, and I represented Asheville in 2003, <coughs> and I got tired of representing other cities. I was like, Charlotte is my home, and we have so many poets here that like need to know what is beyond the city walls, and vice versa. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, let me start this organization here for the adults. Uh, at the time, I was working for a nonprofit as well that was mainly focused on teenagers. Uh, that was also uh, making sure that, like, it, it was mainly focused on teenagers and social justice. 
So I worked for them for about three years. I did volunteer work with them as well before and after I was working there. Uh, but that's what really got me first started in the nonprofit world of really understanding what it means to be a like a, a youth nonprofit in the city of Charlotte and how to begin to understand how that functions uh, as an organization, uh, you know, kind of your higher your your place in the hierarchy, you know, which is actually pretty low, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh, but very important, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Uh, then after that, I started doing a lot of workshops in schools, like poetry workshops. Uh, stopped running the the adult organization, but I mainly focused on just sharing my love of poetry with young people. Uh, I was also coaching sports at the time and. Just I was working for the fire department, I think, so I had plenty of time to do other things. I was working for the YMCA, doing summer camps, and I mean, it was just, you know, still youth-focused, you know. In 2013, uh, there were a group of youth, that uh, young poets, teenagers, that went to the Adult Poetry Slam on a regular basis, and they loved what they were seeing. So they asked them if they could start an organization for them, for for the teens. And so the leaders of the Adult Poetry Slam came back to me because I'd already started the Adult Slam, so I already knew what it was like to start a a poetry organization, kind of. And I was already doing work with with teens anyway. So they were like, would you be willing to start this organization that they're asking for? And after about a week or so of thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll I'll, I'll jump back in, you know. Um, I only led the Adult Poetry organization for three years so I'm just thinking you know I'll kind of jump in and you know do I'll, I'll host a slam here or there and you know it'll be real easy and here we are 10 years later <laughs> um, just lost track of time yeah yeah I, I mean at the time you know we were just a community organization you know volunteer led uh, it was me and a couple other poets and we were just you know like I said once a month we would have the kids come in and perform poems at Spirit Square and uh, you know, uh, we took the first group to Brave New Voices, which is the International Youth Poetry Festival, uh, that summer. And uh, really, again, going in as rookies, had no idea what we were stepping into. But once we saw the wide world of youth poetry, uh, like, upfront and personal, and we're in Philadelphia that year, and we're surrounded by 500 other teenagers from all over the world, that are loving poetry and our kids are just as invested in it. And we're like, okay, we see the potential of what we have here. From that point forward, we started doing a little bit more and a little bit more as far as our events were concerned. Uh, Blumenthal was our umbrella organization. So they started getting to be a little bit more invested in us because we were showing how invested we were as volunteers. And then uh, once COVID hit, uh, it just shut everything down. but it didn't shut our our understanding and passion for what we were doing. So in the, in December of 2021, I found was uh, looking at the you know post COVID, uh, we were we weren't out of it yet, but we were on our way. And I was like, okay, we've really got an opportunity to do something great here. Uh, all the other youth poetry organizations throughout the state had shut down. Most. Every youth organization in the city had shut down because of the pandemic, understandably. And we were, as I was looking at it, I said, you know what? They're going to need something like breathing. They're going to need an opportunity to, once they get out from behind their computer screens for the last two, three years, 
they're going to need some place to be to go to find a home, an in-person home with other students, a safe place where they can express themselves. They can, again, find themselves as teenagers growing up into young adults. And why not us, you know? Um, so we became a fully functioning nonprofit December 2021. And ever since then, uh, people always told me that I should turn breathing into a nonprofit. And I always was like, well, you know, I got I got to work. You know, I I got all this time in with the city. You know, I, I was I worked for the city for over 13 years. I was like, you know, I got my retirement plan. I need to make sure I've got my health insurance. You know, like I got all these benefits. I got to make it sure I have a steady paycheck. And all these different things kept holding me back. And finally, in uh, was it June of of last year of of 2020. No, it was 2022, sorry. June of 2022, uh, I, I made the leap. Uh, I finally stepped out and said, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to do this full time. And it, it's, it, it hasn't been easy <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the best thing I've ever done uh, career-wise because of not only the amount of programming and the ability of our, what the potential of our organization has shown of of how not only how many students we can impact, but how large we can operate as an organization, but really how how important the work is that what we're doing, how important not only is for the youth, but for the community, for the city of Charlotte to see what we're doing and then to get inspired by that has also been kind of eye opening is something I didn't realize. Uh, and and so now you know we're, we're again still still learning our potential, still growing, still still pushing, but we're doing things that I honestly, in the ten years prior to this, would have looked at what we're doing now and thought that it was it was a dream. It, it, there's no way we could even come close to where we're at. There's no way we could be offering the different things that we're offering or receiving the different funding that, uh, opportunities that we are, or getting into the places that we're getting into. Uh, it, it, it would have been beyond any scope of the imagination. Oh, my gosh. That was, like, incredibly inspiring. I was, like, I feel like I was floating. <laughs> <laughs> I think also because you're a poet, there's, like, a way that you communicate. This is just a random comment from my own oh, brain. Okay. <laughs> but, like, there's just, like, a passion that you have behind your voice. Mm. And trust me, I'm not the only one that says this. When you were doing your speech during the cohort graduation, all of us were just like, Terry is so good at talking. <laughs> 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 I was just, like, mesmerized. Um, but, my gosh, like, I, I love how it was almost something that, like, not like fell upon you, but not something that you expected. But I feel like the unexpected things always end up being the greatest things that we have and get to experience. And I totally feel you on that, like doing the leap and just being like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just gonna do it. But I feel like if you are just so mission driven and you're so heart centered with what you do, like it works out, like things work out and you have the people that like gravitate to you that help build that community. Right. And I can't imagine just how impactful that is for young creatives, especially because you were talking about youth organizations and programs that just kind of fell off because of the pandemic, yeah. as many things did. And you essentially like filled a gap that you saw needed to be filled, essentially. And I think we, as creatives, forget whether we are in the for-profit or non-profit space of it, like we're problem solvers. 
Like, you know, we can look at creative things like, oh my God, they're so fun and colorful. I mean, they are, but there's so much, there's so much deeper um, just gifts from it. Yeah. That like connection, that ability for expression. We talk about it all the time and we understand it, but I don't think we really get just how important it is, especially for youth. Cause if I'm thinking back to my teenage self and I don't know if you maybe were like this too, but mm -hmm. maybe I needed a program like, <laughs> like Breathe Inc too. Cause I just had so much pent up, whatever the heck was going on <laughs> up in here. <laughs> no, I think about it all the time. It's one of the biggest motivating factors for what we do. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm 46 years old right now. Uh, so 30 years ago, if there would have been an organization like Breathe Inc., I know I would have joined it. I know I would have been a part of it. Uh, and, and having that knowledge helps push what we do forward even more so because I know the, the importance of it because the young me would have benefited tremendously from it. Also, you know, it, it's something that, like, we witness it every single time we're in a classroom or that we're doing a program with someone. It's, it's right there in front of us, you know, whether it's a workshop or we're taking kids to, you know, a, a city that they've never been to before to meet a bunch of other kids that are just like them. I mean, it, it's constantly in our face of the impact that we're having amongst these young people. Uh, the thing I love about it is that this organization would not would not like you know exist if it weren't for the youth actually pushing for it. So I tell our students all the time, I'm like, this is y'all's organization. We're just providing opportunities within it, but it doesn't exist without you. So getting them to understand like how the importance of the organization is on them it's not on us as adults my our egos are completely out of everything that we do because i will never perform a poem on one of our stages none of our adult poets will ever perform on our stages because that's a, a part of our organization our culture that we've set is that everything that we do is youth-based Absolutely everything we do is going to make sure that they have all the opportunities that we can possibly provide them. And it's never going to be focused on us. It's always going to make sure that they have the opportunities. Yeah, and I think we forget to, especially if we get onto the educator side, and, you know, whether you who's listening right now are wanting to be an educator or a mentor or maybe, like, haven't thought about it but maybe might be entertaining the idea – I think we forget how much it needs to be like the student driven approach. It's student centered. Yeah. Um, and like we were talking right before we hit record, I think we have so many bad examples of, you know, bad ways of creating programs or like education that doesn't really truly empower like the young creatives that are in there. Um, just the same way as we've talked on the podcast before that there's a lot of bad examples of businesses that may create you know, toxic work environments or environments that don't provide people the time to reset and recharge. And so that's the same way when we go into education spaces. And us as creatives, I mean, there is so much energy like exchanging, especially because with the creative work, it is so deeply personal and I can't even imagine how much more that is true when it comes to slam poetry. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've been to a event like you who is listening, 
but flame poetry events are like intense. <laughs> not in a way like, not in, not like not intense. Like it's like a big like wrestling match, and we're like yeah. Right. But it's like there's just uh, some of the good ones are though. Oh yes. Well, okay, actually, I take that back because I do remember there are times that I'm just like I'm like snapping and yelling and just being like I'm so into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's just this electricity in the room, and I think if you're you know as somebody that is you know, the founder and a executive director and essentially like a facilitator of these like programs. Like you wanna be able to facilitate something that in the end gets the results that are positive. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, if something is not well structured, there is chances that the kid gets burnt out. I mean, I've gone through like, unfortunately some like dance educators back when I still danced where I completely took a pause from a specific dance style because it was just like, I got stressed. <laughs> I got stressed out of something that was supposed to make me feel, you know, feel good and like have that t chance to like express myself and instead, and you know, I don't have any ill feelings towards the educator that I had. It's just, you know, an example where I'm like, that's something that I don't want to have right. <laughs> to have happen. You know, I mean, one of the things that I love uh, about how we run our organization is that it, like you were saying earlier it is completely youth focused and so and not only youth focused but poetry focused as well and not on the competitive specific aspect of poetry but on the love and passion of what made us want to be poets in the first place you know the opportunity to be able to express yourself to be able to grow in your skill of writing and performance and to be able to connect with other people in a way that it, without poetry, you just can't find that opportunity to connect with them, uh, to, to be able to stand up on a stage and everyone in the room is going to listen to what you have to say. And you are still responsible for everything that you say, but it's a wide open venue. We don't we don't censor our kids in any way, shape, form or fashion. But we all also make sure that they're always aware. Whatever you say, be, be ready to defend it. Be You're responsible for what you say. So if, if somebody comes up and wants to ask you about it, be ready to talk about it. Be ready to go through it. Because that's part of what we're doing is, is opening this gateway for you to be able to connect and talk and communicate with these people. But at the same time, you, don't, you, you have to, again, you have to be responsible for everything that you're going to get up and you're going to talk about. Just <clears throat> um, kind of go back to what you were talking about as far as, like, you know, being a mentor, some good, some bad, you know. Um, like I learned a long time ago <laughs> uh, when I used to work at the Y, actually. It's funny. Um, you know, I used to be a low ropes instructor. It's one of my many, many jobs at the YMCA. And uh, we would have school groups come in all the time. And one of the things that we were constantly beating our heads about was do not let the teacher take over. <laughs> mm. um, and it's something that as as I've grown as a, as an educator, as as a mentor, uh, you know, as a, a workshop facilitator in every way, it, it's one of those things that I constantly keep in mind because we as adults have been through the process. So if you care about young people, you want them to do well. You don't want them to trip up. You don't want them to have to go through the same issues and you know circumstances and turmoil and everything else that you went through so you just want to tell them and you want to instruct them and you want to and all that stuff just gets in the way you know it, it and that's what keeps those youth organizations from truly being youth organizations they just end up being nonprofits but they they may have like programming that's youth focused 
But as an organization, they're not youth focused. Mm -hmm. They're adult focused. They're adult focused on getting my information to the youth. That's never going to be us as as Breathing. We are always about empowering their voices. Uh, I learned a long time ago, like one of, one of my friends told me, and I, I, I tell this to everybody who I give advice to, whether it's adult poets or youth poets, you know, I've got over 20 years, you know, almost 25 years now of experience coaching and being a professional poet, uh, writing, editing, performing in, in on every stage you could possibly imagine. I, you know, I, I'm the only person from North Carolina that's been on HBO's Deaf Poetry. I've coached world champions. I can give you all the advice in the world. What I'm not going to do is be upset if you don't take my advice. Ooh. Ooh. Which is a big thing that a lot of adults can't break through. Is like they see it as disrespectful if someone doesn't take the advice that they give. But I've always seen advice as as a gift, you know. Like I, I'm I'm gifting you my knowledge and my experience. But just because somebody gives you a pair of shoes doesn't mean you have to wear them. You know, just because somebody gives you an ugly sweater doesn't mean you have to wear. <laughs> you know, like it, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, once I give you my advice, now it's yours, and you can throw it in the trash. You can say Terry's crazy. Or you can say, take any aspect of it and apply it however you want. But I'm not going to get upset either way. Because if I do, now that's my ego impressing itself onto you and your decisions. And especially as young people, uh, as teenagers, they've got enough things in this world that are trying to shape them into something that they may or may not want to be. But again, our, our organization is going to be focused on giving them the space to find themselves, to create themselves. We're going to give them the poetry tools. You know, we're going to teach them about how to use the art form of poetry. We're going to give them performance skills. We're going to provide them with, um, and I hate to use instruction as, as, a, as a term, but we're going to provide them with uh, the knowledge of how to do it. And then they, after that, it's, it's their playground. It's up to them to completely morph and change and, and mold themselves. And if they want our advice, then we give them our advice. And again, you get the advice, hands off after that, because now it's, the whole goal is still about giving them that, that space. Uh, you know, like I said, we're poetry focused because we're all poets in our organization. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a long time ago from from a, uh, a really famous slam poet. His name was Taylor Molly. Uh, he always said that slam poetry is like your sophomore year of college. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you you guys don't have a visual version, but my head literally just like imploded. <laughs> just getting flashback memories. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, it's like, you know, like your sophomore year of college, like, you know, you, you've, you've been there. So you've got some experience on, on the campus and you, you got experience of what it's like in the classroom. You, got, you might be a little cocky, like no one like thinking that's your space and everything. But there's so much more beyond that. You know, like there's so many more things that you have to learn. So many more like uh, so many more opportunities to help shape you before you step out of that college experience into the real world. And that's what 
slam poetry is. So when we're working with our youth, we're reminding them constantly, like, this is not the only thing that's out here. We're going to collaborate with, you know, Claude and Backspins so that they can see that there's, you know, like, here's what it's like to be a DJ, a youth DJ. You know, here's an opportunity for us to collaborate with, uh, you know, Kate and, and her band. We got an open mic coming up with them so that you can see what it's like to be a musician out here, you know. Um, we work with uh, We Rock Charlotte, which is like the youth, uh, like, rock and roll band uh, organization so that they get a chance to actually work with other youth that are playing instruments and, and learning how to do that. Uh, time out youth. Uh, I mean, like, our goal is not to to hoard our little group of poets and never share them with the world. It's the exact opposite. We want to create this overwhelming artist experience. So if you came to us through poetry but along the way, you find out that you are naturally a singer and you want to explore that. We're going to provide you with every opportunity possible. And we're going to keep our door open for you to come back and now use your beautiful voice to be able to amplify what you're doing with your poetry and with what you want to do with your future work. And so a lot of our past poets who have come through our organization, you know, some of them are, are, are English teachers. Some of them, you know, write for magazines, which would naturally go along with poetry. Um, our lead teaching artist is actually one of our former students uh, who came back through our organization and now is leading other kids who came through our organization and are now in their early 20s and still wanting to give back to poetry. But we also have past students that are doctors. We have past students that are, you know, teaching science. We have a, one past student that is still a professional athlete. It, it's not the end of the world. To, like, like, we don't see poetry as the end-all, be-all. Mm. But if it provides a young person an opportunity to find out who they are as they continue on their life journey, and it's in a safe environment, it's a, with other students that value and support them, and with adults that are going to give them the freedom and the space to learn themselves, that's that's the ideal situation for us. I, I, I talk I talk a lot, so I'm going all no, over. No, this it. is like great. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> um, but one of the, you know, like to kind of go back, um, one of the things I love about say like our poetry slams, which are our competitions, you know, um, like the adult poetry slams are are vicious. You know, like oh. <laughs> they are, they're, they're, they're cruel. I mean, you have five random people that are chosen out in the audience and they're given numbers to show to the poet's face to judge the poem that they just performed in front of them and to determine whether or not that poet is eliminated or gets to go on to the next round. And the judges get booed, and sometimes poets get booed. And I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. But that that's the environment that was created by the creator of Slam a long time ago. And, you know, it's competitive. And, again, in the, in the adult world, it has its place, mm -hmm. absolutely. But the adult world is not a nurturing place, you know. Um, there's, there's not a lot of safe places as an adult. You know, you create your own safe place as an adult, usually. Students need that safe space. They need that space that is going to, that's going to hold them up that's going to provide them with uh, comfort if that's what they need at the time. Uh, that's going to provide them with a, a chance to be able to express their ideas. 
to have discussions around their ideas, to be supported. And so like with our slams, they are competitions. We have five judges, but our judges are pre-selected. So we already know who the people are coming in. We're not bringing in anybody crazy, or hopefully not, <laughs> not too crazy, you know. Um, but we're also, uh, we don't announce scores at our slams. We announce who won, but we will never announce like, this poet got a 24.3 out of 30, you know, mm-hmm. um, because what we found is that in the adult world, those poets only concentrate on the score that they got. And it makes sense because the, whatever score they get determines whether or not they get to keep going. But it takes the concentration away from the poems. Uh, th- there's a there's a, a, a classic um saying in the adult poetry world is that the points are not the point. The point is the poetry. Mm-hmm. But that's never the case. It's like a grade. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it, it sounds literally like. Literally is what it is. And, I mean, it's, and it's smacking your face too, you know. If somebody, you know, because the judges judge from zero to ten. So if you get a, a score of like a four, it's like, well, damn, they hated that. You know, it, it, and again, as an adult, you know, it's different. We got to think about it. If you're a 14-year-old kid, Oh my gosh! And and it, it took like you can only I mean to to have the courage to get up on a stage in the first place, and then deliver something that you wrote that is emotionally attached to who you are as a human being, and then someone to put up a a, a four out of ten in your face can destroy you. And so, like I said, we took that aspect out. We're just like, let's just concentrate on the poems. And ever since we did that, because we the first year we did the scores and it just it was it was rough. <laughs> uh, but we didn't know any better, you know. Um, but ever since we took the scoring uh, the, the score announcing out of the slams, they have become the most uh, supportive environments that we have ever seen in any art form. We have kids that will literally sit on the floor right in front of the poet, anxious to hear what they're about to say. Can't wait to snap their fingers and, and, and cheer, and th- then they'll have their favorite poet. So whenever the, that favorite poet comes up, now they're really going crazy for them. And the whole concentration is on the art form and the artist, and it's not on the judgment. And it's such a beautiful aspect of uh, that we've been able to add that again gives that safe space. You know, it's that's the you know one of the hot, you know, buzz term, you know, words mm-hmm. or whatever. But it really is important that we provide that space for them. And again, we've seen it. We, we we've seen the positive, incredibly positive effects of it. What I love is that you've learned from like a bad experience too, and like where you were like straight up and being like, no, yeah, we did used to do the scoring, and it wasn't, you know. It wasn't where we wanted it to go, and you adjusted it. And I think that's what's needed when it comes to programs and mentorships and things like that. You know, you go in, and I mean, you said before, you didn't, you just kind of hopped in and just kind of started learning as you went. And oh, yeah. I think just being able to pivot and just also being mission driven and mission focused. Yeah. And I think that's like even just hearing you speak and how much Breathe Inc has evolved and like everything that might have like changed like with the scoring you really took the feedback from the people that matter most which is going to be the youth and i think there's like 
I'm pretty sure there's so many psychological studies about how bad grades are (laughs) on students, especially when, you know, you're young and like everything in the world is new and you feel like, you know, you may not have the safe spaces outside of like a place like a slam poetry, like competition or, you know, a workshop because this world isn't really built to have that same like notion that our ancestors have where it's like a village raises a child Mm -hmm. which i can go on a whole rant about (laughs) (laughs) all of that and like wanting to come back to the olden days of being able to just be together as a community but i can just go on a rant about that (laughs) but i absolutely love just how much you just really focus on students and also you don't seem to be an educator too that has forgotten what it's like to be a student and i think that's where we can dive into you know times where i mean me myself i was a mentor at some point to um my mentees and i wasn't the best mentor and you know i can actively say that because i knew that you know my ego i would impress it upon them or i would like this is what a mentor is and i had so many bad examples but there's really a lot of good examples and it's a lot about just hearing out the people that you're teaching but also remembering like okay when i was a kid what did i need right <laughs> and i think there is many of us who can probably make a huge we could write a book about all the things that we needed when we were little kids yeah it, it, that's why like when, when we're teaching our, our teaching artists you know because because all of our teaching artists are uh, like 20 something year old poets in the area most of them came through our organization as youth, and now they want to give back to the organization, give back to the, the students that they used to be. Um, one of the things that we focus on when we're training them is that they understand that they have the label of teaching artists because we got to call them something, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not their job to teach. We never, in our training of them and in, in our discussions with them, tell them that this is where you teach this. We always go into saying, this is where you're going to facilitate this discussion and allow the students to be able to get to these points on their own. Now, as a facilitator, you're going to lead the direction of the discussion, and you know where you eventually want to go. But you're never going to give them the answer. You give them the space so that they can learn the answer on their own. And this is the skill of facilitating a discussion, and we're going to teach you how to do that. Because they learned it on their own. They found their love and passion of the art form on their own. We didn't teach them how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, We provided them the space to be able to, to find it where whatever and wherever it meant for them. And so... Now that we're going into so many more classrooms and we're doing these workshops, it really is providing us the opportunity to say, hey, look, poetry is everywhere. It doesn't just, it's not owned by these old dead white dudes that are in your books <laughs> that you'll never meet them. They don't talk about anything they, that you talk about. They don't, they've never experienced the world in the way that you experience it. You know, like I was talking with, um, my, my fiance's teenager the other day, and I was like, yeah, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 25, 26. You know, he's had one since he was 12. You know, like, when I was in school, keyboarding was a class <laughs> that we took in high school. 
because we didn't we didn't have computers before that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I actually learned how to type on a on a typewriter. Uh, you know, the old like mechanical ones. So my experience as an adult, as as a human being, is not going to be anywhere close to what a teenager is going through now. So how can I be expected to be able to write a poem that's going to exactly express everything that they're thinking and feeling? So when we are in the classroom, we're not going to tell you what poetry is. We want to know what poetry is to you. And we want to help you understand, like provide you with the space to be able to figure that out on your own. We're going to show you examples of other youth. We never show poets, uh, like adult poets on our videos. We have a whole database of youth poets that are going to get in there and they're going to talk in the same language that these kids are talking, talk about the same topics that they're talking about, view them from the same lens. They're going through the same struggles that the, the, the students that are right in front of us are going through. And then after we show you these videos, let's talk about it. We want to hear what you have to say. And through these discussions, they're going to figure it out on their own. And then hopefully the overwhelming, you know, the overall goal is that they see poetry differently at the very least. That they understand that it's not just something that happens in a classroom, that it's something that is accessible to them at any point. And if they want to take it beyond that, we have all these amazing programs that we can offer them to be able to build and learn and meet other people and travel and do all these incredible things with art. But if they just want to keep doing what they're doing, then that's perfectly fine too. They're just going to see poetry a little differently. And I love that you have examples that are actually going to be relatable to the kids as well, just because, oh, yeah. like, I do remember those old white men poets that <laughs> would be talking about, like, their midlife crisis. And I was, like, 10. And I was like, I, I don't know what this means. Absolutely. Um, I used to also take – this is a kind of a tangent. Um, I took a um, – I was a Spanish minor in college, so I would even have old old Spanish poems mm-hmm. as well. And I was just like, not only is there a language barrier, because my head has to kind of basically, like, figure this out. But, yeah, I I remember because, like, the media that I, like, consume, if it's not something that, like, I can truly fully understand, um, there could be that disconnect. And I think mm-hmm. it's very important to establish that really good connection, especially in early youth, because, I mean, kids, kids got a lot of options these days on what to do. And... I think if we're having like really great examples and just really good structure, but not structure that is so like, I don't, I have no words, but just eh. <laughs> like, it's just, they just will not be interested in it. Or there's just, you know, it's not something that they feel connected to. And I think that's a huge, huge part, especially when it comes to poetry. If they're reading poems that they're not connected to, they may not ri- be writing the poems that they feel like, you know, this really represents me and this is me expressing myself. So I love that you have this huge database of, like, youth poets and, like, they can draw inspiration from people that are just like them. Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, I don't don't know. I mean, there might be a kid that (laughs) relates to that old white man poem, you know. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, you know, it's there. (laughs) Yeah, but it's more than likely (laughs) that they're they're not, you know. um, And, again, that's, that's why we exist. Um, you know, like we want to show them that poetry is not 
beating you over the head with you know five seven five haiku and iambic pentameter and like Shakespeare is the end all be all of poetry. No, like poetry is whatever you want it to be. You're experiencing it every day in your music, in your TikTok videos, and you know, like your favorite TV shows. Like poetry is everywhere. It's just storytelling. Storytelling with poetic devices, but it's just storytelling. The one thing that we've seen or that we know that is a vital aspect of what we're doing now is that connection, like you were talking about. COVID destroyed the human connection for so many youth. You know, a lot of young people who, you know, when you're a high school student and you get shut inside, that's a different, like you're you're cutting off your ability to learn how to be social. But when you're in like elementary school and you're shut in, inside and you are not allowed to play with your friends or be around anybody but your parent or parents or sister or brother, or dog or pet or whatever, and, and you're supposed to be in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day and you know, you're expected to just be there. Like it's the mental anxiety and emotional anxiety that can come from years of that is something that they're still studying right now of the drastic effect it had on these youth. And what ha- one of the things they're finding is that the thing that they lost the most was their ability to be able to connect with other people, to be human. The whole notion of, what, of, of art and life and what it means to, to like go beyond the science of you know blood and skin and bone and like to really understand that what truly living means and and to share that with someone be able to share that with someone be able to connect on a level that both of you feel comfortable and creative that's where we are finding our heart now that, that's where we're finding our foothold. Uh, we're finding these students that are just dying for opportunities to just be able to express themselves and be able to connect with other people. And teachers are not are also like looking for these opportunities too because they were missing out on it as well, you know. Um, but it really is about just building the uh, creating the opportunities for them to be able to build these connections with each other. Uh, is, is one of, one of the great things that you know we, we focus on as an organization. Uh, it, it's even in our mission statement is about cr- uh, creating an artistic community for the youth. It's not about creating a, 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 a you know a, a army of youth poets to go out <laughs> and, and what, take over what the a world. Visceral image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not about, you know, like creating, you know, like trying to take over the world with poetry. It's like, no, like we want to create an art, an arts community where everyone connects. And, you know, it, it, whether they connect in their own way or they connect in multiple ways. Um, one of the great things about performance poetry is it's multidisciplinary. You know, like you, you got to not only know how to write, but also how to perform your own work. You're actively hearing from the author of the work while they're performing their poem. You can interact, you can ask questions of the author. 
You know, you can't ask Walt Whitman, why did he write this? You know, or you can't ask Jack Kerouac, even, even you know, in the, in the 50s and 60s, like, why did you write that? They're dead. You know, like, yeah. you know, or ask Shakespeare, like, you know, why did you steal this? Like, like <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> there, <laughs> there, I mean, like, you know, like those those poets are no longer with us. You you cannot access have access to them. Whereas we're providing you the opportunity to not only be able to express yourself, but you can also have access to these poets and y'all can connect on on the, you know the understanding of we're all talking about the same thing we're all experiencing the same thing you know it's funny uh one of one of my poets uh she has a poem that's one of my favorites of of our new group of poets and the whole poem is about her experience going through a uh, a school shooting uh, drill and w- me and a couple other adults were having a conversation after she had performed this poem and we were talking about how, like, our drills were tornado drills, were hurricane drills. You guys didn't have any, like, school shooting drills? No. Whoa. School shooting was never a thing. That, we had those all the time yeah. when I was growing up. I, like, I still actively remember in high school having friends of mine that were going to go hunting after school would park their pickup truck with rifles hanging in the back of the truck in the school parking lot. And it was it was it was a normal thing. Mm. It was nothing to it. Nobody ever thought about going out there and grabbing a rifle and coming back inside. Like that that wasn't a thing that we ever ex- like. It, it, it's still foreign to me now. So to listen to her telling this story about how this drill was happening without them even knowing it was a drill, and everything that's going through her mind about like is this the last it, it, like. Is there going to be a, um, a like? Is my name going to be up on the news later on today? Is my mom going to be crying for me? Am I ever going to see my sister again? Like, as an adult listening to this, not only am I floored by this is your reality, it's like this is all of y'all's reality. And I would not be able to have access to that viewpoint if it wasn't for this young person having the courage to be able to express it in a poetic form. And so I, I honor our young people, our, our young poets, because of I know at 16, I couldn't get up and talk about that stuff. I'd be terrified. I, I, I talk about this, and I, I've been told I shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't, I don't it, to me, it's one of the things that kind of draw, um, pushes me in, in the work that we do, mm-hmm. because it's the best example I've ever had of the impact our organization can have on one and on the many. Uh, we were doing a poetry slam, uh, youth poetry slam, I want to say it was like 2017, 2018. And we had this one um, young person, uh, he came with his father uh, to every slam we had for like two years, never competed, always just sat very quietly in in the crowd. You know, I'm I'm always scanning everybody, talking to everybody because that's part of my job. And I always went over and spoke and said hello, and you know, encouraged them to get up if you know whenever they wanted to. They never did. Then finally, one sl- one slam we did this 
person, this student signed up onto our roster for the slam that day. And I'm, I'm so excited, you know, because I, I can't wait to hear what they have to say. I'm like, you've been coming here for two years. Like, you've got something to say. I know you do. And this person, this, this young po- poet get, gets up and does a poem about being a transgender student in the South. And I like, first off, I have no clue that this, this student is transgender. I mean, it, it, it's, again, th- these are things that as, you know, Gen, Gen X or like, you know, like I didn't have nearly the amount of experience in, in, in growing up in this kind of environment. So it's not something I'm readily looking for, you know, or, or, or have a ton of experience with. But I'm, I'm listening to this poet just so articulately and beautifully explain the, the, the triumphs and the struggles of being them. And then the very next poem that this young person gets up and does is about being an atheist in the South. So now you, you're you're going completely against all Southern traditions and norms yeah. and everything, in, in in front of a crowd that is like probably highly religious, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably highly, um, you know, like cisgender. Like, 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 there's so many different things that are opposite of who you are as a person, and you are proudly getting up and very well communicating to everyone in the audience about who you are as a person. And you know, we, we've had so many examples of, of so many youth that have come through our organization, but that one student will forever stand out to me because everything that they went through to get to that point, to be able to get up and speak the way that they did is why why I, I work on this stuff at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's why you know I, I I don't get paid for the first year year and a half that I'm running this organization. Um, it's why we do what we do because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not about anything other than poetry saving lives. I don't know if that student's still alive or not. <laughs> you know, I can't say that, but. I know that day that per, that student was living. I saw it. Um, I see it every single time we do something. I see the light bulbs go off. I see the, the hearts open up. One of the pictures I have in, in our office right over there is of five students in a group hug. And that was before the event. That's how important our work is. It, it it's It's supportive. It's loving. It's nurturing. It's... Uh, safe. May I just say, like, the stories that you just shared and even that um, picture of the students hugging, that is just a testament to the work and the program that you've created. Like, it is incredibly impactful. And I think it's even wilder to think that there's probably people you've impacted in a way that you don't even know because they haven't gone up and told you yeah. about it. But again, it's, it's again, the testament to how well and effective and impactful a good youth-centered program 
could be something that really fosters students a safe space because you know there's I feel like just in society in general we undermine and kind of undervalue a lot of youth yeah we kind of see them as you know you know there's always going to be that type of adult that just sees like younger people being like ah you know they don't have anything to say like just you know sit down like how I did when I was a kid but you providing that space for them to express it oh my gosh there is I'm sure again so much psychological studies on just being able to say something out loud and being able to hone in whatever um, identity that they hold or even just being able to tell a story whether it's a story about a success, a triumph, or a hardship. There's just so much beauty in being able to have that express and be out. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know if you've had your flowers and thank yous enough. I pro- you probably don't, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing about you working all the way up to 4 a.m., but like, yeah, let yourself, and I know you're like focused on the youth, like an impact for them, but also give yourself like the, you know, pat on the back that you're doing great work and you're going to continue to do great work. And it's just going to be a cyclical, you know, good energy that you'll have. You're like fostering communities and like, you know, the youth, they're going to end up becoming adults as well. Right. And I think because they have you and Breathe Inc. as a good example, they're going to be amazing mentors and educators in whatever space that they're in. Mm. So, but yeah, um, I could talk to you for hours and I can <laughs> actually probably hear you talk for hours. <laughs> Your stories are so interesting. And I want us to wrap up the episode with just giving advice to um, the person that's listening on the other line of this. And, you know, maybe they're interested in becoming an educator or maybe starting some sort of mentorship or even just running a workshop. What would you advise to them on that, starting that journey? Because, I mean, would you say now you're kind of like a seasoned educator? I would say, you know, 10 plus years of the work in it would probably give you some merit. Yeah, I feel pretty <laughs> confident. Okay, good. <laughs> um, you, you know, honestly, the biggest thing that uh, I have found and that I, I try to impress on our teaching artists when we train them, uh, so I guess the best advice I would give to someone who's looking to be that is you will only be as uh, you will only be as good of a mentor as you are at listening to the mentee. Especially dealing with, like, you know, preteens and teenagers, usually depending on what it is. Like, I mean, if it's, you know, science-based or something like that, then obviously, they're, you know, or math, they're going to need facts, figures, they're going to need formulas, you know, like, absolutely, you know. But when you're dealing with the person, they already at that age are not only beginning to form who they are, but actively wanting to form who they are. So give them the space to do that. Provide them like the 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 opportunity to be able to grow as a person. Don't overwhelmingly try to influence, but be available when they ask or when the opportunity presents itself to be able to provide experience or information. But at the same time, have the uh, 
the humbleness and the uh, the lack of ego to be able to accept that somebody can do something different and that that's okay. Um, even if it's putting them in, in slight danger, <laughs> it's still a learning experience. The same way that you wouldn't have learned what you learned without slight danger. Um, but also providing that space for them to be able to step away from that um, and just giving them an adult that they know they can talk to. Um, you know, I my favorite forms of music are, are country music and rock and roll. I, I, you know, I grew up listening to hip hop, but hip hop now is completely different. From, you know, from, oh yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to connect with the kid on like who's the who's the new hip hop artist, or like what's the new like you know loving hip hop TV show or you know whatever is going on or like what's the the new like trend on on TikTok like those things are way beyond my abilities to be able to connect with them. And, and they're not going to come to me for that anyway, <laughs> you know. Um, but what I'm always going to be available for them if they need someone. And if they want to talk about something random and stupid or if they want to talk about something that is, like, overwhelmingly impressing upon them and, and they have to, like, just get it out. They've always got someone to come to, and they know that. Um, you know, it's on my agenda. As soon as I get out of here, one of my to-do lists is to check in with every one of our poets. Just send a text saying, hey, thinking about you. Not a creepy way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, hey, thinking about you, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Just so they always know that, you know, like I said, they've got an adult that's got their back. I've got... Not only not poets, I've got former softball players that I used to coach that still contact me today that are out of college to ask just to check in and see how they're doing. Uh, former wrestlers, former track people, um, you know, track athletes that, that I used to work with that I still talk to. And it was really and it's just because they know that they always had an adult that had their back. And so just being that person, because we, we all know when we were young, the people who had our back. We all know who we were closest to or who we wanted to be close to because we knew that that person was going to support us or they were going to give us some, some form of, of comfort that we needed at the time. We all hopefully have had at least one person that's been like that. And that person is not someone who beat their opinion on you. They're someone who let you be you around them. So it really is ultimately, I guess if I break down all of these words into (laughs) one thing, is just be a place where they can be themselves. And they and 
they can come to you for whatever they are needing and whatever they're asking for. You can be available, hopefully, for as much of that as possible. You don't have to have every answer. You know, I don't know is just a good answer sometimes as any is anything you can make up. But as long as you say, like, I don't know, but I'll find out. And then you actively go and find out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, you don't blow them off. And you make every every one of them feel valued. Um, then you've done your job. And, and, and you're doing all of this to not get the flowers. That, that's one of the things that I see that's a, that I think is a detriment to a lot of the youth organizations is you, you have people who are running it who want to be recognized and they want to be put on the forefront and they want to be, you know, celebrated for what they're doing. And if that's what their thing, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to influence as many youth if I'm concentrating on promoting myself. Because they're going to see that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to not look at me as a person that they can come to because I'm not about them. I'm about me. Yeah. Your energy is like totally somewhere else. Right. And so, like, you know, you, you were talking earlier about it. Like, my fiance gets on me all the time. And it's like, you've got to start like promoting yourself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or promoting the organization. You got to start promoting. I'm like, I I can't do it. I I can't. I, I like, I know the value of it as far as like if I want to build my brand. But I'm, I, you know, I've done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I've been on the stage. I, I've, I've, you know, I've traveled around. I've done all these different things for myself. It's, it's just not what I want. Mm-hmm. It's not who I am anymore. Uh, I, I'm. I intentionally want to be a conduit for other people to be able to find their greatness. And that is all that I need is, as far as like my own personal needs when it comes to what we do, is I need to be able to provide the opportunity. As long as I've done that, that is it. I don't need anything more than that. I don't need anyone to come up and tell me that, you know, they appreciate what I've done or I've affected their lives. And and I'm not saying I don't want, like, I'm going to push them away. But what I'm saying is, like, that's not the goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they do, then I'm super proud of them, and I want to highlight every opportunity that they've created for themselves. And if there's anything I can do to help them and where they're at now get to where they want to go to, let's do it. But it's got to be about the people you serve. It just has to. Um, you know, not to get too political, but <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, um, that's that's what's lost. You know, that that's why. Politicians are not, not called public servants anymore mm. because it's obviously it's obvious they're not serving the public. You know they're serving themselves and then everybody knows. But as a person who runs a small arts education nonprofit in you know Charlotte, you know not the biggest city in the South, not the most progressive city in the South, not the most anything. You know, um, if I don't do it. Because I love it. Because I love what we are able to provide, then we're 
we would never be successful uh, as an organization, as a person. Because all I'd be doing is pushing me. It wouldn't be breathing. It'd be Terry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and it's it's it can't be. It just can't be. It's got to be about them. Well, you are an absolute superpower when it comes to the world of youth organizations. I mean, like, I'm really, really hoping that everyone that's listening to this is, like, incredibly inspired by your stories or at least, like, very, very interested in supporting your organization. So what can people do to support Breathe Inc.? Like, what are your... I know you were just like, I don't want to promote myself, but I'm making a promotion <laughs> at the end of this episode. But, you know, just just let people know, like, how can they connect with you after this episode? I mean, I'll, I'll promote Breathe Inc. for sure. Because, you know, <laughs> like, the, the organization is, like I said, it's the kids, so I'll definitely promote them. Um, you know, people can, you know, follow us on, on you know, Instagram, Breathe Inc. Poetry, uh, or other social media, Facebook or YouTube. You can always go to YouTube and find a lot of our videos. Um, you know, go to our website, find out more about our organization. It's just uh, breatheinc.org. Um, one of the biggest things that anyone can do is to find out when we're hosting an event and go. Be there in person. Show these young people that there are folks out here that value what they have to say and want to, in person, give them a platform to where they can express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, you'd be, you know, it's always great to get donations. You know, it's always great to get yeah, funding. I mean, like, <laughs> we're not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to turn that down. But honestly, like, the more important thing is just showing up, just being there. And as an adult, showing up and shutting up and allowing these young people oh, to be I'm able to Oh, I'm going to get that, like, tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> showing up and shutting up. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it's it's crazy, you know, how at the end of an event, how many adults want to stand up and tell these young people about the influence that they've had on them and what they're going to do in society. I'm like, no, go talk to that kid. Mm. Don't do it in the middle of a crowd. Like, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. But, like, go find out who that person is. You know, let them talk to you one-on-one and you be quiet. Um, That's why we don't allow adults to perform on our stages or even talk, really, on our stages. Be- you know, I, we have five judges that we bring in, and we do not provide any of them a microphone for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not your show. Um. But yeah, just just be there and and be quiet. And <laughs> be let, quiet and listen. Yeah, let let them them express themselves and, and just be there. Yeah, and I know a lot of this episode we were also talking about um, to the listener, just being like, if you're wanting to start um, something like educational, like program or mentorship or workshop, mm-hmm. but this also applies to anybody, even if you're not in within that space, like just showing up and supporting young creatives. Like, oh my gosh, like they are in the beginning stages of whatever career they want, whether it's within their creative craft or something else that they can take skills from their creative craft into those new jobs. But when you're showing up right then, there and early and like helping them develop, it is, it compounds and it just helps so much. And it creates that cycle again of just 
sending out good vibes to people because I think we need a little bit more of that in the world. A lot more hope, a lot more community, and a lot more showing up and shutting up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think we'll end the episode there with that mantra. <laughs> but thank you so much, Terry. You were amazing and great, and I'm so excited to see the opportunities and the performances and everything that breathing is going to do after this so awesome. yeah thank you thank you for the opportunity we appreciate this yeah. that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed it rate this podcast five stars and check out the link in the description to view the show notes everything in this episode is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace finance tax law mental health and other professional services as always, we are here to support you because we don't believe in gatekeeping and we want all of our listeners to become thriving creatives. We'll continue the conversation about mindful creative entrepreneurship in next week's episode. Until then, stay inspired, keep creating, and eat some good food. This podcast was edited by Alexis Carrasquillo from Familia Creative Media.